Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, my guest is Tara Nujar Bryan, and she is the CMO of Health Catalyst. Now, her story is really intriguing because she joined this company over eight years ago. Now, that alone is not something we hear very often these days for marketing tenure. But what's even more interesting is she actually had to write a letter after being rejected to come in on a content marketing role focusing on editing content. Fast forward, if you will, those eight years, the company's gone from 75 people to 1400 people. They've gone public, they've had various acquisitions, and she is the CMO of a 33-person marketing team. That's what happens when you have that dedication, that commitment, that passion at the end of the day. And today she shares about some humility, the ability to make mistakes and learn from them, and how important that is to the types of people she hires, to the way she approaches everything down to her content strategy. This is a fantastic episode that'll really get you to focus on pushing through. Here's my chat with Tara. Tara, thanks so much for finding time to chat. I'm really excited to unpack your journey. You're the CMO at Health Catalyst today. And you started there over eight years ago. I can't imagine coming in as a managing editor that you thought you'd be the CMO. How did this unfold? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for uh, making the time for me to be on your podcast. I've listened to several episodes and really enjoy the conversations you have and the, the kind of people that you have on your show. Oh, we're, great. we're excited to have you here. It's a great story we're going to tell. Yeah, so I I joke that I'm actually the accidental CMO. This wasn't exactly in my game plan. I have a master's degree in journalism, actually, in mass communications. And with that degree in journalism, I learned very much about how to focus on your audience and how to build context. And those two key skills have kind of led me to where I am in a few ways. One is that audience is everything. And the second is that content is everything. (laughs) All right, nice. Yeah, two big two big keys on this journey. The second one is definitely near and dear to my heart. The first one I couldn't agree with more. You got to know who you're trying to sell to before you go and try and create content. Now, let's for everyone tuning in. I mean, you joined this company Health Catalyst. It was a relatively small, you know, growth company, 75 people. You were a marketer among seven. And now today to to give it, you know, context to the explosion over 1,400 employees, a public company that's gone through multiple acquisitions and 33 marketers, is that right? Yeah, we're at 33 marketers. Yeah, and we've acquired several companies, that's right. Yeah, so I took a, I took a bit of a, a risk here, right? A leap of faith, but here's what drove me. I am very much driven by a mission, right? A mission-driven type purpose, and this one was around healthcare. And I have spent Um, most of my career in healthcare. And when I heard about Health Catalyst, the first thing I thought was, this is exactly what we have to have in the industry. And the second thing I thought was, I have to be a part of this. And I actually kind of have a funny story about how I joined Health Catalyst. So I initially applied to be the editorial director. 
and I was rejected the first time I applied. Okay. And so I wrote a very heartfelt letter to our um, chief operating officer, Paul Horstmeyer, that said, basically, look, I'm coming from my heart here. I truly believe that Health Catalyst is going to change the industry. We're going to change the way that we we do data and analytics in healthcare. I am 100% on board. If you have a spot for me, you better open it up. I'm ready. And he called me later that week and they brought me on board. That's amazing. I hope yeah. I hope they read that again when they made you CMO, just to you know, <laughs> realize realize how, how fortunate was. I mean, that persistence is is amazing. And, and I love that. And every once in a while, I can tell you, I'll get one of those notes myself as a founder here, as you know, CMO, you know, just someone trying to stand out. And and I think it's we had a guest recently and we were talking about this idea of passion for what you do, right? And and I think you either need to have that intrigue or passion. How do you continue to find that type of belief within the people you bring into your marketing team? I mean, you know, the fact that team has, has grown by 25 or so people, but I'm sure you've had a lot of marketers over eight years, unless you've got the best retention rates out there. How do you always determine whether they're going to buy into this vision the same way you are? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first, we do have really good retention rates. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that has been actually really, really an important piece. But yeah, we have seen a lot of other marketers kind of come and go. Um, yeah. So I think one is to, when you're interviewing, you have a conversation with them. So instead of asking these canned questions about like, tell me about your history and tell me about X, Y, and Z, it's more of a, a free flowing conversation between two people who in theory love healthcare and love marketing and love communicating. And from that conversation, you usually get a sense of where their passion lies and what they're interested in and why they're really here, why they're really looking at Catalyst. And then the second piece that I do is, uh, it is a canned question, so I'm kind of going against my own advice, but I often ask about, tell me about a time you made a big mistake. And I'm, I'm going to give away the answer here if you ever end up interviewing with me, but the answer is not um, somebody else made a big mistake and I tried to stop them. The answer is truly, I owned something that happened. And here's what I learned from it. And here's why I'm better as a professional and as a person. And the answer to that question has really never led me astray as far as um, bringing people on board and then helping them um, to grow. Because really, passion is about growing, right? It's about humility. It's about continuous learning. It's about building something bigger together. And that question and that conversation really, really get at those things. That's a, that's a great question to ask. And I, I love the way you weed out the you know, the ones that, that you want on your team within that. You know, I want to come back to this point that you said there on growing and evolving and being okay making mistakes and learning from them. I imagine that had to apply to you as well. Again, this this eight plus year journey, you know, where you're now CMO of a public company. I mean, this is fantastic and not everyone gets there. How did you align yourself both within the company and get the support to give you the confidence to make those leaps along the way? The first key is to um, build a mentorship network. And that means not only mentors that are on your direct team, but that means mentors throughout the entire organization. One of the things that I, I teach my team is that we are marketers not only externally to our external audience, but we are marketers internally as well to the organization to help Catalyst itself. So we're selling our value and, and what we do for the organization internally, because I think a lot of people don't understand, understand marketing in that regard. 
And then I also think that hard work is a huge part of it. So is luck, (laughs) being in the right place at the right time and having the right conversations with people. Also, and this is probably the biggest thing, is consistency and resiliency. So knowing that you are going to consistently deliver your best day after day, in and out, even if you make mistakes, you will be consistent in in what you deliver. And people know that they can count on you. And they know that even if something were to happen, you make a mistake. I have a, a funny uh, story about how we we have a really large event we put on and one of the rooms literally flooded during a rainstorm and we had to scramble. And um, because I built a team of, of resilient people that were able to adapt, it we, we reflexed when we needed to flex and nobody really knew the difference and it went off just fine. That's great. I, I don't know where the luck piece comes into that story. I don't know if that's <laughs> the, the, the luck that that would happen to prove yourself or the bad luck and, and to your point, having to be resilient through it. But You make a good point. Sorry to interrupt. You make a good point in that I think I say luck when I mean gratitude, <laughs> right? Like having having gratitude for the people around you and where you are and and the things that have been kind of given to you. And then making best of that. So maybe that's what I mean by luck. It's, it's kind of a gratitude. That's a, it's, it's such an important point. I mean, I, I think a lot of us get overwhelmed in the moment. In the, this past couple of years as marketers, as professionals, as people, I mean, it's, you know, we, we've had a lot thrown our way. It's, it's how you push through those, you know, tough yeah. situations. And yeah. I, I think, you know, that mindset of surrounding yourself, as you said, with the right mentors, working hard through that and, and just always showing and bringing up you know, bringing yourself the same way, you know, that that's what someone wants in the long run. I, you know, I, this is going to be a hard question to answer, but I can ask this one as a, as a final one. I mean, a lot of people don't have the patience these days to stay with the company for the tenure that you have. How did you avoid being tempted to jump? I'm sure you had <laughs> recruiters call you. I mean, you're yeah. still there now, so you can answer this and, you know, and, and you turn them down because of what, like, what was it? in your ear that was saying, I still have something to prove here. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I mean, there are a lot of recruiters and I find that that flattering and intriguing and I'm not going to lie and say I haven't been tempted and haven't had conversations. But there's a few things about Health Catalyst that have made me stay the eight plus years that I've been here. And one is honestly our leadership team. So our chief executive officer, our chief operating officer, they've been with the company for 10 plus years and the humility and the transparency and the just genuine human caring that they show is such a differentiator. And so that's been one huge part of it. Another is that this journey with Health Catalyst is one that that I am pretty committed to because I've been on it for so long. I, I was, you know, one employee close to number 75. And now we, you know, have gone IPO over 1400. This company is a little bit kind of my baby and she's growing up. <laughs> she's growing up. She's kind of entering some stage of maturity. And, you know, there might be a time that I do, maybe my time needs to be done and somebody else needs to, to come in and take over. But, um, you know, until that time happens, I feel like I have plenty to do here and plenty to grow and plenty to give. That's great. Well, we'll end on that, Tara. We're, we're going to keep you around after a quick break, listen from our sponsor, and then we'll chat a little bit about buyer journey. And I'm already tempted already to dig into this idea of audience and content, but we'll be right back. 
Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. We're back on the marketer's journey here with Tara, and I want to talk a little bit about audience and content, but I, I want to weave one of your answers before. I, I love that interview question you ask about what's the biggest mistake, and what are some of the mistakes you've seen either your own team or you know people around you make when it comes to content and having that right content for your audience? Not knowing your audience, not knowing what they want to hear, and, and speaking to yourself. And we've made that mistake at Health Catalyst, and we've learned that lesson several times, which kind of gets me into um, the second big mistake that people make with content, which is um, getting caught in tactics traps, is what I call them. And what that means is the first step of any content program is defining success. That should be step one. Figuring out how you get there is step two, and how you get there is through tactics. So... Success should be centered somewhat around your audience. Who are you trying to reach? What is your mission and how are you going to be driving that? The success metrics, by the way, don't have to be quantitative. They can be qualitative metrics. That's perfectly fine. And especially if you're just starting a content program or you're iterating on a content program or meaning that you're taking content and trying to use it in a different way, it's fine to have qualitative metrics. When, as you get more mature, I think that then the quantitative metrics start to come. And then the last piece, and this is one that we've also made at, at Health Catalyst, and I've, I've seen it over and over again at other companies as well as I, as I mentor others, and that is not controlling your story. So operating and creating content from maybe a fear-based perspective, you know, what if we say something wrong? What if, what if this is too risky? What if, you know, what if it's uh, not hitting the mark? And then the second would be being reactionary in your content. So letting others control your story, letting others define who you are, just reacting to what others say. So that would probably be the third biggest mistake. Those are really important ones to highlight, first of all. And it's funny, before you summarize that first one, I had already written down my notes so I wouldn't remember. And I wrote the words, you are not your audience, seconds before you said it. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that's a good way to summarize this. And at such a trap we all fall into. I, I remember we had someone on our team who was an amazing writer but they were the content marketer. And in our case, we don't often sell primarily to the content marketer. Content marketers love us for what we do at Uberflip, but we often sell into a demand marketer. And it was getting them to shift to realize, yes, we are marketing to marketers, but not necessarily you, right? right. And, and that's a hard shift to make. I, I, I want to kind of build off of that though and, and ask on your second point about getting caught in the tactics I like this idea of figuring out what is the right content, as you said. Who 
helps determine what is the right content on your team. Is it the content creators or is it more those who are mapping a digital journey of some sort? Yeah, that's a good question. It is the people who are mapping the journey because they are the people focused on the channels that the audience is on, particularly. The content creators are the ones that are looking at what the audience is interested in. It's the digital marketers that are looking at how is the audience getting that information delivered to them. And then bringing those two pieces together is kind of the strategy piece of things. So it's the what and the how coming together and then telling your story that way. What do you title those individuals that you describe as, as building that journey? What is their role on the team? And, and you talked about them owning the channels, which I hear a lot. I mean, it's, these are kind of our demand gen marketers in a sense. Yeah. But what is their role and how do you get them to talk efficiently to that content marketer? Well, our, our content team, um, we have a, a managing editor, an editorial director, and then we have um, designers, graphic designers. A lot of it is essentially looking at the data, looking at the metrics and saying, what is actually converting <laughs> converting into success as we're defining success? Again, you start with success, right? So what we're looking at is, um, first of all, we're looking at awareness, we're looking at perception, and we're looking at growth. And we're saying, is this channel an awareness channel? And if so, are we just trying to reach people? Are we trying to get people to um, just know about Catalyst? The second is perception. Are we trying to change people's mind about Catalyst? And the last is growth. And then from there, you take, you take kind of how you're going to measure that success and you say, what channels are people going to and how are we going to best deliver that? And then the last piece of it is what is the right message for each one of these channels? And that's where the, the conversation then happens with the content creator. Like we all know the, the Health Catalyst brand, the Health Catalyst story. It's ingrained in every single thing that we do. We've cut down silos as far as like, what is Health Catalyst? What is our story? What is it we're trying to get out? The individual, like personalized aspect of the, of the content is where that translation starts happening. Gotcha. So, so you finished on, on the exact last words that I was curious to go next here, which is personalization. And when you think about this as the buyer more generally versus that expectation of buyers to get personalization today, how does that feed into the expectations from a content perspective? In what ways are you actually personalizing content? You know, back to this idea of, you know, not controlling the story. We also have to we need to control the story as a brand, but we need to let the story be told for each buyer today. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's the old school way of doing it, which is, um, you know, you build personas and then you fill in the problem and the solution statement. And then you, you know, either do a webinar and then you iterate off the webinar with white papers, executive reports, things like that. So that's, you know, a tried true success, successful way to do it. But there's kind of a more fun way to do it, which is that you let your client, your customer champion speak for you and tell your story. And through that kind of engagement, I think that is where like the true magic is starting to happen now. And there are so many ways to do that now with, um, with like the way we've gone virtual and the digital channels that we have, where it's easier than ever for you to take a client champion, a customer champion and put them in front of people, get them speaking engagements, get them in front of the press, get them uh, white papers written for them by a ghostwriter. I mean, you don't want to put too much burden on them. (laughs) So you help them out along the way. Um, but it's your audience actually speaking to your audience in that scenario. It's your target audience 
hearing from somebody who looks like them, talks like them, speaks like them, saying, this is what the problem that I had, and here's how I solved it. And oh, by the way, it just happens to be catalysts that helped me. Yeah. It plays into that old word of mouth issue that we often have with marketers, where it's hard to measure word of mouth, but we know it's the most effective way of, uh, of marketing. So that's been a fun program to build. And I think that's kind of the way that we're going in the future. That's, that's great advice. And, you know, we've, we've taken a very similar approach with my team at Uberflip too, where we, we encourage our customers to speak, but we try and give them a framework to speak within, right? We'll give them a framework that many of them can relate to and ask them to fill in the bubbles, fill in the mad lib type of experience, if you will. And once they do that, your audience starts to hear a similar talk track to how this works. But, you know, with the nuances of perhaps the vertical or the case study or whatever it is that your customer falls within. And, and I think it's a really powerful tip. As you said, you know, you've learned some of these mistakes and, and definitely learned how to correct against them, which is, you know, back to your interview question, the way to figure out who's real. We're gonna keep you around, Tara. We're gonna ask a few rapid fire questions right after a quick break here on The Marketer's Journey. One of the areas that Tara was hitting on there was the importance of not just creating content to create content, but create content that has a purpose, content that is usable. And to do this, she talks about this idea that it's often needs to be owned by the team that's managing the channels. They're the one distributing. They need to figure out the right content at the right stage for the right buyer. One of the things I always talk a lot about is this idea of a journey matrix, having the idea of rows of data that show the different buyers or segments you may be selling to. And then your columns are simply the different stages of the buyer journey. And you think of the intersects between a buyer and a stage, and that presents a need for content. That's how you should be thinking about what content to create next. That way you are fueling the journey, you're moving people along at each step. I commend Tara for having that mentality with her team. We need more of that. We need content not to purely be driven by the content marketer, but by the team that are actually determining the path for the buyer. We are back here to wrap up with Tara Nujar Brian, and we're talking all about your career journey, the buyer journey. Now I get to hit you with some rapid fire questions to see how you think on your feet. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, good stuff. All right, my first question for you, as marketers aspire to this CMO role, do you think they should take the path of being more of a specialist or more of a generalist in their career? Generalist by far. When you get into this role, you can't specialize. You have to know a little bit about everything to pull all the pieces together. Gotcha. Good stuff. All right. Next one here for you. If you could have marketers do more of one thing, what would that one thing be? Talk to your audience. Understand your audience better. Get out there. Beauty. And what's, what's the best way in your mind on that to talk to the audience today? So the best way would be to go to where they are which would be in my space in particular, that would be things like conferences actually, largely. But yeah, conferences, go to where they are, talk to them. Um, don't be selling, just try, try to understand. Hopefully we are all getting back to that mindset with the, you know, the change in, in this pandemic for sure. I know, I know. 
Next one I've got for you. When you think of content or content marketing or content experience, what are a few key words that come to your mind in terms of nailing it? So I think one would be concise, understandable, usable, and um, iterative. I like the usable one. That's a good, that's a great term there. I mean, you know, the amount of content that's not used is definitely scary. All right. The second last question here is where is the middle ground between being data driven and innovating in your content marketing programs? Where do you allow people to just go free or as you said earlier, really rely on that data? Yeah, good question. So I think it's important to know how to fail fast. I think that means that we have a core set of metrics that we're looking at and those are both tactics and success metrics. And then we just try new things and see what happens and see if it hits our baseline different or if it hits our success different and, and kind of iterate from there. It's okay to try new things. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you're measuring along the way and, and learning what, what works and what doesn't. Great. I, I sense a theme with that, you know, embracing mistakes and embracing failure and, and just learning from it. Okay. So the last one, tying back to our theme of a journey, you know, no question you're busy as a CMO, no question you're obsessing over your audience, but how do you take breaks and where is your next big break or journey going to be? So this is probably your most important question, actually. (laughs) So I have a very strong mindfulness practice. I meditate every single day and that actually plays a pretty integral role into everything that I do. My team will often hear me, you know, if we end up meeting 15 minutes early, I'll tell them to go meditate, <laughs> which they all, which means go do what is, you know, go do something to take care of yourself, to be present in the moment. Uh, that's really important because that's sustainable. The second thing is I run a lot. <laughs> I'm a runner. If, I'm, if I don't run, I'm crabby. Um, and I get my best ideas when I'm running. So um, I kind of consider running also to be billable time. And then I think, I think the last key thing then is um, just having perspective on what's truly important in this world, right? Um, yeah, we're marketers. Yeah, our audience is important. And ultimately, taking care of each other is what this is all about, being kind. I love that. And then where are you going to get to? What's that la- What's that next trip for personal fun? Yeah, yeah, my next trip. I, I can tell you I just got back from a trip kind of in the, the Utah wilderness with two small kids and a husband. So that was an adventure. There were tears. I'm, I'm not saying who cried, um, but that <laughs> happened. <laughs> The next one's probably to Vegas for Hims, which is our big one of our big um, healthcare and conferences. And then I, you know, if I had it my way, um, my next big trip would actually be another kind of solo wilderness trip. <laughs> solo being the keyword. <laughs> nice, maybe less tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Tara, thank you so much for sharing today. It's really been a pleasure getting to hear your journey, and everyone tuning in has gotten to learn a different perspective, different path to the CMO route different way to run a business. And as you listen in and chart your own path and journey, I hope one day you'll join us to share it on the marketer's journey. Until next time, find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And when you can leave us feedback, please do. This has been The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.